long. We celebrate Christ. We celebrate what he's done. Yes, it's important. It, it is important for, for us to, to, to talk about it and to mention it. And I was talking with a group of pastors, and I said, uh, and they were talking about the different things they're doing for Christmas Eve service and different things. And I asked the, uh, the fatal question that a pastor asked another pastor. I said, what do you guys, I mean, from year to year, some of these guys have been pastors longer than I have. And they said, I said, Every year, what, what, do you, what do you do different? I said, because it's the same story over and over and over. It is the same story. We only have one Christmas story. But it's important that we talk about it. They all, they all started out real proud, and then they went, well, yeah, it is kind of the same story over and over and over. But it's in that is the beginning of why we are what we are and who we are. If, it, if, if he didn't come, if he didn't, wasn't born in a manger, if he wasn't <clears throat> born in Bethlehem, then none of this would be worth anything. It's because God came and dwelt among us. It's because he chose to love us first, even when we didn't deserve it. It's the only reason any of this makes sense. We need that story. We need that original beginning of the child coming. But the more I, I meditate on the fact that, that God sent his only son as a child into a dark and scary world, dangerous world. I mean, from the beginning, governments were trying to kill him. Life, life was tough enough as it was back then. I'm sure the mortality rate wasn't all that great for children, especially poor children. He wasn't, he wasn't sent to the the biggest and brightest castle with all the, the trappings and with all the, the, uh, the you know, benefits of being a rich king. He was sent to the lowest of the low, born in a barn. You know, people say that. Were you born in a barn? <laughs> well, my Savior was. It was good enough for him, I guess, you know. But if he hadn't done that, if he hadn't, given his life. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. We've been in Hebrews 10 for a while. We've been talking a little bit, little bit later than where we're going to look today. And this isn't the normal place that you'd find the, the Christmas story, but it certainly is a, another reference to it. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here am I. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, I am here, or here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. This last year, we've been talking about being ambassadors. 
and in many ways we were actually being ambassadors more than just talking about being ambassadors. In so many ways in our community, in our, in our region, and, in, and around the world, we've been going and being ambassadors. Being that voice piece to people around the world, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And as we close out this year, the year of the ambassador, this is only fitting that we look at this last story, or this story, not as the last story, but it's the last story of this year, talking about being ambassadors. Jesus, in the very act of coming here as a child, was an ambassador. He was the first one. He was the one who came to this earth and was a representation of our, of our Father to a, a, a lost world, a dying world, a world without hope. He came, and at the beginning of the year, we talked about what is the, the definition of an ambassador. Well, an ambassador is somebody who is sent. Sent with a message. It isn't that they're just sent into a place. They're sent there with a message. And that message is a message of hope. That message is a message of life. But the problem is, Many times when an ambassador was sent by a king or, a, or the leader of a country, they were sent into a hostile place. They were sent into a war zone many times. And they went there to declare the, the glory of God or the, or the message of the king. And we were just studying at the end of Kings where, uh, I think it was King Sennacherib, was, was, uh, uh, had come and, and sieged Jerusalem. And in it, he had somebody, King Sennacherib had came and, and, and the, this messenger had given the, uh, the terms for surrender. And we talked about that. I said, that's, that's what an ambassador did. He went there and said, here's what my king says. Our kingdom is going to come against your kingdom. And our kingdom is more powerful than your kingdom. You should, you should surrender now. And here's how you're going to do it. Well, Jesus said the same thing. His first sermon was, the kingdom of God is among you. Or the kingdom of God is near is what he first said. The kingdom of God is near. He said, our kingdom is coming. And your kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, is going to fall. Nothing can stand against the kingdom of light. And your kingdom is going to fall. It's time to surrender. But the world hated him, didn't they? I mean, here was the only light in all of the darkness. He was the only ambassador at that time. I mean, John, you know, there was the prophets and so on and so forth. And John, but John was killed and most, so were most of the, the, the prophets. Most of them were killed for their message. And Jesus came as God's only son. God sent his only son into that dangerous place to proclaim the message one more time. Surrender. Because the kingdom of darkness is going to fall. And he didn't come as the rich, ruling, magnificent king. He didn't come as, as the as the, uh, the you know, big crown on his head and, and uh, you know, a flowing robe on a big white horse. That's the way the Jews actually were expecting him to come. He came as a little child. He came as a little child of a poor family in a stable. The least of the least of the least. 
outcast. Many people in talking about this, and I think you know, we, we shared this a couple of years ago, the main have actually been the basement of somebody's house. They wouldn't let them stay in the house, they made them stay in the basement with the animals. The animals kept the house warm. That's just weird. The heat of the animals, you know, you got that, okay. He came in the, the lowliest of positions, and yet he was God Almighty. And he came not saying, you need to serve me, you need to bow down to me, you need to, you need to obey me every word I say because I'm going to force you to do it. No, he came humbly. He says, I, Lord, I've come to do your will. He humbled himself, as these verses even say. Jesus was sent as an ambassador. His mission was to do the will of the Father. And he came into hostile territory. Go to John. John chapter 10. This is how hostile it was. This is the kind of reception God's first ambassador of the new kingdom was treated. John chapter 10 beginning with verse 24. The Jews gathered round him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from my Father. For which one of these do you stone me? And their answer was, We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because a mere man claims to be God. His life was an offering to God. We said that the ambassadors in the old days were expendable. Their lives were, were not their own. And the king sent him in there fully understanding that if they sent the ambassador into that hostile ter territory, that, that war zone, that they more than likely wouldn't come out alive. And neither did Jesus. His father sent him here, fully understanding, fully knowing well what the outcome was about to be. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. He so loved the world. One time I was reading that, and I was reading th that verse, and I've heard that verse, and we've all heard that verse so many times, over and over again. And I was reading that, for God so loved the world. And all of a sudden, something I'd heard in Sunday school popped into my mind. It's amazing what comes back, even after years. 
and it says that there are three enemies of the kingdom of God. The flesh, the devil, and the world. Three enemies. For God so loved the world. For God so loved his enemy that he sent his only son. That is just beyond, that's, that, that is more amazing to me than anything. That God, knowing full well that his son was going to be punished, was going to be put to death, he sent him as a, as a helpless baby in a manger in the hands of human beings. I don't know about you guys, those who have had children. When, I, when our first child, when Ethan was born, I held it in my thought, God, what are you thinking? You're putting this life into my hands. I'm responsible. Oh my gosh. And here's the hope of all the world. Put in the hands of man and, and you know, woman, a couple. Her barely old enough to even understand what's going on. By all accounts, she was a teenager. Unwed mother. Huh. Interesting. For God so loved his enemy. It says that when, when he came and died for us, we were his enemies. But he loved us first and decided, I'm going to do this for you. So when we talk about, and I, and I was thinking about that throughout the whole worship time this morning. Here it's the Christmas season and we're talking about his sacrifice in the songs. If you're listening to the words of the songs. We can't talk about Christmas without talking about his sacrifice. We can't, we can't celebrate his birth without knowing and understanding full well why he came. What was the purpose of it? What was the, the, the full meaning of it? It wasn't just so we'd have a great holiday to enjoy family and friends. It was so that we could have a holiday in a few months celebrating the forgiveness of our sins. For God so loved his enemy, he sent his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. His life was an offering to God. He was expendable. He only, and then this is how he lived his life day to day, he only repeated what the Father told him to say. And that was the Another part of, part of the, the uh, definition of what an ambassador is is that the ambassador only repeats what the king says. He doesn't come in with his own opinion. He doesn't come in with his own agenda. He comes in and says, here's what the will of my king is. And Jesus did that exact same thing. Same thing. John chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the Son of Man can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees His Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. Yes, to your amazement, He will show Him even greater things than these. So our purpose, not only this time of year, but through the whole year, and we've been doing that this year, is to follow his example, to be an ambassador for him. We are being sent 
We are being sent daily to be an ambassador for Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We, this is the verse that we, or the verses that we've been going on all year long, talking about it here and there quite a bit at the beginning. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning with verse 14. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. His whole purpose for coming was to reconcile human beings back to God. That's why he came. He came to give his life. He came to make the sacrifice. He came to pay the way so that our sin would no longer be held against us. And now our purpose. We should have really only one purpose. That was his sole purpose. Our sole purpose is to follow him and do what he did. It's to follow him and be those ministers of reconciliation. Now, it was interesting, on Friday I was at uh, breakfast, and a guy walked through the door and he had this sign on a stick that says, the end of the world is near. <laughs> I thought, that's funny. I wished I had done that. The world was supposed to end and everybody's thinking about, oh gosh, what if the Mayans were right? You know, but if the Mayans were so smart, why were, aren't there any Mayans left? I mean, you can... <laughs> My favorite one on Facebook this week was the, the best practical joke of all history, the Mayans. You know, well played. 5,000 years in the making. Nope, the end of the world didn't end. But here, everybody's either talking about or joking about the end of the world. But today, we're two days closer to the actual end of the world than we were two days ago. It is coming. The other one I really liked on Facebook is, what about no man shall know the day or the hour is everybody missing? Nobody knows when God's coming, when, when Jesus is coming. Nobody knows when the end of the world's going to happen. But our job, while the earth lasts, while time lasts, is to be ambassadors in this world. That's what our purpose is. Now, we all don't have to walk around with a sign and a stick. The end of the world is near. Sandwich board would be nice, you know. 
Pastor Greg could wear that while he's doing uh, coffee down at the, while he's making coffee. At least it would cover over the kilt that he was wearing on Friday. <laughs> we don't have to do that. We don't have to be walking around and, and scaring people with that because the message of Jesus Christ, the message of reconciliation, isn't a scary message. It's a message of hope. It's a message of life. The other message, the, the message that if we don't, if we're not reconciled to God, that's scary. We don't need to fear people into the kingdom. We can just tell them the truth that Jesus Christ loves them and, and brought his son, God brought his son into this world to, bre- to preach a message of reconciliation. A message of hope. As I was preparing this sermon, I thought, if there's any time, whether you're watching by television, whether you're here, physically here today, if, if there was any time, if you're not saved, if there's any time that you should get saved, it's today. I mean, talk about the perfect time to say, you know what, God, I give up. I give up trying to live my own life. I, tr- I give up trying to figure this thing out on my own. I give up trying to be good because I can't be good. Father, today I give up and I accept what Jesus Christ came here to do. I accept what Jesus Christ lived on this or was born on this earth, lived on this earth, and died on this earth, and then rose again on this earth for eternal life, reconciliation. Unless a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. This is the perfect time of year for this. Jesus came into this world to be an ambassador, and that position is not one of exaltation, it's one of humbling himself under God's hand and serving the interests and needs of others. Finally, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider, your, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and, on, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, 
to the glory of God the Father. Being an ambassador means we empty ourselves of ourselves and allow God to take us wherever his heart desires. The year of ambassador is ending, as we say it every year, but it doesn't, the mission, the understanding, the, the purpose of this year doesn't stop. We are ambassadors. If you are in Christ, you're an ambassador. That means we have a job to do. If we didn't stress that enough this year, we'll try to stress it hard, even more so next year. We're not here for our own purposes. We don't get to live every day anymore for my will be done. The reason we exist, the very reason we have life and breath, the very reason God lets me keep going each day is because He has a purpose for my life. And He has a purpose for your life. And that purpose is to tell as many possible people that Jesus Christ loves them and died for them on the cross. He came and He gave His life for that purpose. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody has to become a preacher. But everybody is a preacher. It doesn't mean everybody has to go into full-time ministry. But as you live your life, you'll be in full-time ministry. Everywhere you go, and you've heard this before, every person that you meet, everything that you do, we are to be Christ to them. Whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's at the football game on Friday night, whether it's at the, the hockey game, I guess, is what should be more prevalent today. Oh, basketball, yeah, basketball. How much into basketball? Everywhere that we go. We're ambassadors. And we don't have to be weird about it. We just have to be true about it. We just have to be ourselves. And we have to tell people of the hope that we have. And we do have hope. There is hope. You know, you keep looking at the news. Every day it seems as though the hope of this world keeps getting less and less by the moment. But inside us, I don't know about you, but inside of me, my hope keeps getting stronger. Because I'm, my happiness, my joy, my hope is not based on what the news is going to say this afternoon. It's not based on, on the temporal things of this world. My joy, my hope, and it even says Christ's joy and his hope was as he looked to the cross, he went there with joy. Why? Because he knew the ultimate outcome. We know the ultimate outcome. But it has to be our message. Even more so as we see that day approaching. Our message must be clear. Our message must be firm. That unless you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your eternity is lost. <clears throat> eternity is not something you want to mess around with. Eternity without Christ is utter despair, utter loss forever. Nothing, nothing in this world is worth more than eternity. It isn't. And once you're saved, nothing in this world is more important than the eternity of someone else. I don't want a single person to enter eternity without Christ. 
the thought of that is horrible. Unless a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. This morning, if you've been on the fence, if you've been wondering, you know, I've heard a lot about this stuff. I guess I've heard it for a while now. But I've kind of, you know, how does this work? How does it, is it really for me? Does it really fit? Does it really make sense? You know, you've heard so-and-so talk about it, and their life seems to be pretty good, and you've heard somebody else talk about it, and, you know, I guess that there make, it makes a lot of sense, but you've never made that decision for yourself. Today's the day. Today is the day. The Word says, the Bible says, that today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't wait. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We don't have to walk around with a sign that says the world, the end is near. Because the end is near. Whether, whether the whole earth ends or your life ends, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today is that day that you make that decision. Don't wait. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Many of you have heard this before, but I'm doing it for those who haven't. I'm doing it for, for those who does not have that benefit. Also for those on television, I want you to hear how easy it is to get into the kingdom of God. It's not a bunch of rituals. It's not a bunch of, of rules. It's not a bunch of have-tos. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And a man asked one of the disciples one time, he says, what must I do to be saved? And the disciple answered him, he says, it's easy. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? It means that he said, believe that he lived on this earth, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he rose again. Believe on the Lord. Believe on what he did. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That's it. Jesus said one time, he says, if you confess me before man, means if you confess, you say, that's it, I'm in. I'm a Christian. I remember when I was a little kid, you know, and there was, you know, the, the really bad persecution you experience as a child, you know. And you're just, you're just nervous to tell anybody that you're a Christian. But if we confess God, you know what, I'm a Christian. I, I can't even hide it anymore. I'm a Christian. That's what I am. I remember the first friend I had to tell that to when, when I was like, that's it, I'm going to follow Christ forever. I'm going li to live for him. And a, fr and a friend of mine came up and says, hey, let's go do this. I went, I can't do that anymore. Well, why not? I said, oh, here it goes. Because today, I, I made a decision to follow Christ last night. And I can't do that anymore. Not because there's a rule, because I choose to. I choose to honor him. I'm a Christian. And I got persecuted. They laughed at me, said all kinds of goofy things. But it's worth it. Today. I'm going to lead us in a very easy, quick, short prayer. Jesus, I believe that what you did on the cross is for me. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. You get to be the boss from now on. God, you're, you're the boss. I'm going I'm to allow you to be Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Now help me live every day for you. Easy. It's not a ritual. It's not a, it's not a, a ceremony. 
It's a heartfelt prayer. It's a heartfelt decision where you choose to follow Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Jesus, I believe that you lived, that you died for me, and that you rose again. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. From now on, you get to be the boss. Now help me live my life for your glory. Amen. That's life. Now we live. Now, now we make decisions. Now we allow him to lead us and guide us. We let him be the Lord of our life. Whatever that means. Wherever that leads us, wherever that takes us, we allow him to be Lord of our life. Now, I encourage you, if that was the first time, whether it's anybody here, it was the first time, or if it's your first time you've ever prayed that through the television set there, I want you to tell somebody what you did. That's, that's the confession part. Tell somebody. Tell somebody you know. Somebody, tell somebody that uh, you know, is always preaching to you at work and you're really tired of it, but now you've got to tell them something good, you know, really cool. They'll be excited for you. Tell them, here's what I did yesterday. Here's what I did today. Do it today. Tell somebody today. Confess Jesus Christ to them. Let's stand. Let me pray for you, and then we'll dismiss. Have a wonderful Christmas. Hope to see you here tomorrow night. 4.30. Otherwise, have a wonderful week off, day off, couple days off, whatever you get. School kids, week off. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for life. And Lord, I thank you for new life. I thank you, Lord, that reconciliation happened this morning and that we've been allowed to be ministers of reconciliation for you Lord as we go into this next year I pray Father that that increases even more through us as individuals and through us as a church that the ministry of reconciliation being ambassadors for you increases daily. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for life and life more abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Have a wonderful week.